All right, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be uh, in Joshua chapter 5 this morning. Is the main place we're going to be. Is Joshua chapter 5. And uh, so here's where we've progressed so far. As we go back and we look back into the life of Joshua, we look back into how God used the Israelites to bring them into promise, uh, to bring them into a life of promise, and into the promised land, and, and to live the fullness of what he has for them. And, and we look back at Joshua and the Israelites because the entire book of Joshua is actually an amazing uh, testimony to us on the, the victorious life that God wants us to live as Christians. Right? As a Christian, that I have given myself to Jesus and he has crossed me over into a, li- a life of promise. He has crossed me over into, from wilderness into the promised life that I have in Jesus Christ. I get to see how he wants to advance me, how he wants to advance us in living in victory. Right? That's the whole point of Joshua is conquest and taking hold of everything that God has for us. So here's what we have so far when we get to chapter 5. Joshua has been commissioned. Okay, so we have chapter 1 where God has called Joshua and, and says, You will lead the people. I am with you. I will not forsake you. You will be successful. Follow me. Obey me. Keep the word of the law ever before you. And, and you will be successful in everywhere that I send you. And then we have... In chapters 3 and 4, the actual crossing over where God brings them to the River Jordan and he miraculously splits apart the waters and he brings the people from the wilderness to they now have stepped foot into the promised land that they've been waiting for for generations. The promise that went all the way back to Abraham. They are finally standing in the promise. And then we get to chapter 5. Which chapter 5 is a very interesting chapter. Because when we look at the very first verse, it says, Now when all the Amorite kings, right? So it's talking about that this word has gone out. So west of the Jordan and, and all the Canaanite kings, when they all heard about how God had split open the Jordan for the people, Right? When, when they heard about this and, and, and they, all of a sudden they see that this 2 million or so people, however many it was, uh, some estimates say up to 2 million people had crossed over in Israel, of the Israelites. And it says, when, when they heard about it drying up and the Israelites, they crossed over as their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. All right, that's a great way for chapter 5 to start because... We're being told that because of the miraculous power of God, the people that the Israelites were going to come against were actually panicking because the Israelites were coming and they didn't want nothing to do with them. So you'd think that verse 2 would say the first thing God told the people to do was go start attacking everybody, right? Hey, they're terrified of you. Now go attack them. But that's not what happens in chapter 5. No, in chapter 5, all of a sudden... The people are scared of the Israelites, and God says, hold on, Joshua, don't go any further. Stop. I need you to do something first. You need to circumcise everybody. That's not a very good war plan. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right? Because picture this. They're, They're 
in enemy territory now. They're, they've crossed the Jordan, the barrier between them and the people they're going to be battling against. There's no barrier anymore, and God brings them into this. And then instead of saying, hey, they're ready to run and flee from you, God's like, stop. I need you to circumcise everybody. Because what we're told in chapter 5 is that from the moment that they left uh, Egypt and, and that previous generation, when that previous generation failed to trust God and obey and enter into the land, they had stopped fulfilling the requirements of the covenant. And they weren't circumcising any of their, their children anymore, any, any of their sons. So here we have almost 40 years of Israelites that have never obeyed the expectations of the covenant. And God says, hey, we got to deal with this. So you need to circumcise. So the Bible tells us that Joshua made flint knives and he circumcised the Israelites. Now picture this again. This doesn't make sense. This isn't him going, hey, get all the babies together. We need to circumcise the babies. No, he put the, the order out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Any of you like 40 and under, <laughs> we're going to have a party. Come on over. Right? Like basically what they were doing was they were making their entire army incapable of defending themselves. Because the Bible says as they circumcised everybody, then they had to sit there and wait till they healed. Now again, this doesn't make sense because if you think about it, God has, the Bible's telling us that the the Canaanites and the Amorites were ready to run and hide. All the Israelites had to do was probably march towards them and they would run and hide. And God says, no, I actually want you to hurt yourselves and then have to wait here and heal before you can go conquest. The Bible also tells us in chapter 5 that after they had circumcised themselves, they then partook of the Passover for the first time the entire time they were out in the wilderness. So this is a big deal. They're fulfilling the requirements of the covenant and they're partaking in the Passover in remembering and celebrating what God had done for them to bring them out of bondage. Now here's the point that I want us to get with this. The relationship that God wanted with his people was more important than the conquest that was setting before them. See, here's the thing. We, we, we think about this and say, well, God was all about the conquest. Go take the land. Go do the job that I've created you to do. This is what you're called to do. Go do it. Go do the work. But God is telling the people, he's saying, no, while the work I've called you to is important, the relationship is more important. And here's what I want us to understand with this as we look at chapter 5 today. Is sometimes, I think we can get so focused on what we think we're supposed to do as a Christian. The work that we think God has called us to. The life He has called us to live, or whatever it is. We get so focused on the doing that we neglect the relationship. 
we, we neglect the intimacy that God desperately wants with us. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, some of the ways that I know this is manifested in my own life is even with reading Scripture, right? You think about, well, as a Christian, I'm called to read Scripture. I'm supposed to be in Scripture and study Scripture. And I'm supposed to do this study or that study or whatever it is. And then God has caught me in times and said, David, you're doing the things that you think you're supposed to do, but you're not doing it for the sake of the relationship. The relationship's the most important thing. Intimacy with me is the most important thing. And as a church, and as we think about this, and we look at our future, and we look at, uh, you know, again, collectively as a church and where God's leading us, but also as individuals, don't get so focused on what's in front of you, like what God wants from you, what God expects from us. Don't get so focused on the doing and the work that we neglect the relationship with the one who's with us. This is where Christians can get in a bad place. Because we focus on the doing, but we don't spend time in just the being. Being with him. Connected with him. Intimacy and hearing from him. So now, as we, the main part I want to look at is in Joshua chapter 5. This morning I want us to look at the main part is uh, verses 13 through 15. Okay? I find this to be very interesting. Just in the middle of this entire section, there's just this weird pause moment. Right? And, and this is what it says. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to ask him, went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy And Joshua did so. Very short little passage. Just kind of tucked in there in chapter 5. And then right after this, we enter into one of the most famous stories of Joshua where we hear about the, the, the conquering of Jericho. Marching around the city walls and the walls falling. As we think about this, and I want you to picture this for a moment, and again, remember the the relationship's the most important thing. The presence of God is the most important thing. Here we have Joshua. He's circumcised all of the people. They're healed. They've partaken in Passover. That is done. And now it says that Joshua was near Jericho. So what what I picture here is Joshua now is doing some recon. Joshua's out looking at the city. He's planning and he's preparing. He's like, all right, here's the first city we got to go against. And he's, he's thinking up the battle plan. He's looking at where the people could come from. He, he's devising the plan of how they're going to do what God has asked them to do. He's preparing for battle. And all of a sudden this man shows up. The question is, is who is the man? Well, there's a couple different interpretations with this, and I will tell you what I believe. Uh, one of the interpretations, this is, a, you know, an angel has appeared before Joshua. 
And that's potentially true. It could have been an angel. But that isn't where I, I fall with this. I believe in this moment that Joshua was having an intimate, one-on-one encounter with God in human form. If we look back at Scripture in the Old Testament, there's other moments where God has appeared to different people. We have God appearing to Abraham. The Bible tells us that two angels, a third man being God, appeared and actually spoke with Abraham. We have God appearing to Jacob and actually wrestling Jacob. So it's not out of the question when we look at the Bible that there are moments where God chooses to appear in the form of a man and speak to different people in the Old Testament. I believe this is one of those moments where God appears and interacts with Joshua. The biggest reason that I believe this is because of Joshua's response and God's response back to him. The Bible tells us that Joshua, when he realizes who the man is, he falls before him in reverence or worship. And he calls out to him, Lord. And whenever you see an angel that appears to humans, and if the human's reaction is to fall down in some form of worship before an angel, an angel is like, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't worship me. I, I'm not. That's, that's not how this works. But that doesn't happen in this situation. In fact, God has the same response to Joshua that he says to Moses when he appeared to Moses with the burning bush. Take off your sandals. Because the place where you are standing is holy ground. So I believe this is a moment where before the conquest begins, God once again is showing to Joshua the importance of the relationship and the importance of his presence. So here's the thing. God knows. God knows that the battle is about to start. God knows that it's going to get difficult. God knows that they're about to stand against the greatest city that they, that, they, that they will ever come against. God knows that the battle is on the horizon and God makes the choice to show up. Here's the thing when we think about the presence of God. The presence of God always shows up when you need it to. If we're paying attention. See, I love how Joshua is out there and he's, he's focused on preparing for the battle. And the Bible says when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man. He had a God encounter. Can I ask you a question just to think about, did you have any God encounters this week? Did you have any moments when the presence of God showed up? And if we kind of sit there and they think about it, I was like, well, did I or didn't I? Think about it this way. Were you watching for it? Or were you so busy on what you thought you had to do? The work in front of you, the task in front of you, whatever it is, that you weren't even paying attention to the God moments. 
See, I think that happens many times for us as we get so focused on life. We get so focused on the work. We get so focused on the responsibility. We get so focused on what we think God wants from us that we don't even stop to realize that all of those moments are actually blessings and gifts to us to have God encounters. And we miss them. Because God desperately wants his presence to be known in our lives. God shows up if we're paying attention. But again, unfortunately, I think we spend a lot of time not paying attention. Think about it this way. Did you come to church this morning intending to have a God encounter? Did you wake up this morning I'm going to go worship in the presence of God. I'm going to have a God encounter. This week, when you were reading your Bible, and hopefully you were in the Word of God, did you grab the Scriptures and say, I'm going to have a God encounter. His presence is going to show up. See, unfortunately, we get so focused on the doing and the living of life, that we're not paying attention to the presence of God when he's showing up. I liked how, you know, this says that Joshua looked up, and and as I was thinking about that, God was kind of impressing upon me. He's like, David, this is one of the reasons you don't see me as much as I want you to see me, is because you're spending all of your time looking down. You're, You're spending all of your time with your head downcast. Whether it's with negative thoughts or, or thinking about the tasks that are too overwhelming or, or thinking about all the things I don't like or all the struggles that I'm going through or I feel like I'm going through. Or I, I just make the list, right? All the ways I want my life to be different. All the ways I want God to show up. All the different... I'm thinking about all these things and I got my head down. And God's like, that's why you miss my presence a lot of times, David. is because you're focused. You're downcast with your attitude and with your outlook and your perspective, and I need you to look up. I need you to look up. Because when you choose to look up, that's where your help comes from, me. So you have God's presence wants to show up in your life. My question for you this morning is to ask yourself, honestly ask yourself, do you believe that each and every moment of each and every day you have the ability and the, the promise to experience the presence of God. That God wants to show up for you. God wants to be in your presence. And he wants you in his. God's presence shows up. But see, this is the next thing I see when I look at Joshua. After God's presence shows up, when we get into God's presence, we've got to be prepared for this. We've got to realize what's going to happen because God's presence, you know, the presence of God then humbles us. Right? Because we have this moment that Joshua looks up and he sees the man. He sees God and he doesn't realize who that is when he first sees him. And he asks the question. He sees the, the sword drawn. He's in this position of war. And so Joshua comes up to him and he asks this question. It seems fair. Are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? And I love God's response. <laughs> Neither. Seems like a very weird response. 
neither. See, when we allow ourselves to exist in the presence of God, when God shows up and we allow ourselves to exist in his presence, he's going to humble us. And, and here's how God was humbling Joshua. First, he's letting Joshua know, Joshua, this isn't your conquest. This isn't your mission. This isn't even your work. This is mine. See, Joshua's question was, hey, we're about to go to war. Are you on our side? And God's basically telling Joshua, Joshua, this isn't yours. The better question is, Joshua, are you on my side? See, that's how we work in life a lot of times. When we start living outside the presence of God, when we start living without focusing on God's presence, when we're focused more down in our lives and what we want or what we think or how we feel like it needs to be, what happens is we walk through life making decisions and choices and we choose a direction and then we hope that God's on our side. Right? Like, God's on our side. God, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, and now I hope you're, you're with me. When the better question for us is when we're seeking the presence of God is for us to say, Lord, I don't have an agenda. Lord, my agenda is your agenda. This is, this is your life. This, this, is your, this is your mission. This is your work. I mean, how often in the church, I mean, I've, I've been so guilty of this so many times where I do things for God thinking that's what God wants me to do. And God's like, that's not, this is, that's not what I wanted from you. Don't ask me to bless the things that I'm not asking you to do. You do what I'm telling you. This is my work, David. This isn't your work. I'm inviting you to join me in my conquest, not me join you in your conquest. So what I want you to think about this morning is, is that possible that we can live our lives so unfocused on God's presence that we're making decisions and we're following after him without really considering, are we about the business of God, the work of God, or are we doing our own thing and just hoping he blesses it? God's reminding Joshua, this is my life. We are told in Scripture that when I give my life to Jesus, this is no longer mine. I have crucified myself. The life that I now live is Christ Jesus living in me and through me. The question is not, is God for me or against me? The question is, am I living in step and in line with Him? Following His presence and His lead. The other thing that I see here that is God humbling Joshua is simply this. Because God says, listen, I'm neither. In fact, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And here's the thing. Victory is never in our hands. But it's only in God's. See, I love this because Joshua could have been sitting there looking back and saying, man, I got, I got the army of the Israelites here. I got, a, I got an impressive army. We're going to go win this thing. And then God shows up and says, that's cute, boy. Your army's cute. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. 
And when we get into the presence of God, when we start living and paying attention to God's presence around us at all times, God will remind us that, listen, this work is not yours. This conquest is not yours. This life is not even yours. And the victory that is yours is not going to be based on you. It's based on me. How unfortunate it is the many times that I can look back on my life and think that success was dependent upon me. How many times I think about that, even sometimes with preaching, is you get up and you, you, you kind of think about sermons and stuff like that, or you think about teaching something, and you sit there and you have the thoughts like, Lord, I, I really hope that I do well with this, or, or that, you know, that I am successful with this, or this comes in and God has to remind me over and over and over again that, again... Success and victory is never based on me. It's all based on him. Think about this even in your own life just for a moment. One of the things that I find is interesting is one of the, as Christians, we struggle a lot. Most Christians struggle a lot with actually sharing their faith with other people. Right? And one of the reasons we struggle with that is because we'll say things to ourselves like, um, I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to do it, or, or uh, I'm not sure of myself, or the fear of, of messing it up. And, and here's the thing, we are called to study and to learn and to know and to understand how to share our faith. But can I tell you right now, whenever you share your faith with someone, you can't save a single person. It's not your job. Victory is God. Success is God's. Your job is just to share truth with them. Your job is just to share Jesus with them. Your job is just to tell them what you know. Your job is just to say, I didn't know Jesus. Now I do know Jesus, and this is how he's changed me. The results are not up to you. The results are up to God. And God's reminding Joshua of that. Joshua, you're only going to have success because I showed up. You're only going to be successful in this because we see that beautifully in the next chapter. Go back again to the story of Jericho. Anybody that doesn't know the story of Jericho, here's how they won that battle. They marched around a city. That's all they did was marched around a city. And then when they did it seven times on the seventh day, they shouted and they they took all of their instruments and they praised God and then the armies of God destroyed the walls. The only reason they had victory is because victory wasn't in their hands in the first place. It was all in God's. Christian, this morning, if you're struggling in your Christian walk, if you're struggling in your faith and you're struggling and you're trying to say to yourself, how am I going to gain victory? Again, the victory is not dependent upon you. The victory has already been won through Jesus Christ. Our job is to trust him and walk in faith in him and trust in his victory. And I'm telling you, when you get into the presence of God, he will remind you of that and he will humble you to depend on him. Because again, it's not your life in the first place. It's his. This morning, I want to ask you that. Are you living that way? That this is not your life, but it's his. Have you been in the presence of God that you've been humbled enough to say, Lord, it's not mine. It's yours. It's not my agenda. It's not my plan. It's not my will. It's yours. Only in the presence of God will we truly be humbled before him. 
The last thing I saw is that the presence of God then sanctifies us. As we're humbled before God, he also sanctifies us by his presence. We have this moment where the commander, here's God, the commander of the Lord's army, it says in verse 15, Joshua's response is, what do you want from me? What is the message? What what do you want from your servant? He's humbled before God. And, And we're told that the response is, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I love this because, again, remember, they're getting ready for the battle. This is the whole point. They're, they're poised for battle. But when Joshua is in the presence of God and, and he says, what do you want from me? you got the Lord's army. Great. Let's strategize. What are we going to do? There's no battle plan talked about. There's no strategy session on what they're going to do. They didn't form a committee to try to decide what the next steps were going to be for them to be successful and victorious. No, God says to Joshua, take off your sandals because you're in the presence of the Holy One. And Joshua did so. I wondered, when I thought about this, as if this would have been my response. I wonder if Joshua, you know, because you think about this, and here's Jericho, and, and you got the army, and you got all this stuff, and, and God says, no, just let's enter into a time of worship. I wonder if if Joshua had a moment where he's like, well, God, that don't make no sense. The enemy's right there. The battle is right in front of us. The conquest needs to start, Lord. Why are we wasting time? Why are we stopping to pause and and enter into this moment of worship? Why Why are we worried about having this moment of intimacy? It's because the relationship is more important than the conquest. And what I mean by that is, again, church, think about this. When the presence of God, are you seeking the presence of God not because you want him to tell you what you want him, like, Lord, I'm seeking you because I want you to tell me what to do. Are you seeking him just to be with him? Just to have a moment of worship and intimacy and rest in his presence. I guess my question for us this morning, church, is simply this. In your walk with Jesus, how often are you resting in the presence of God? Or are you so busy in life and the do's of life that you're not resting in the presence of God? I mean, I, I, I can say many times in life, Lord, I haven't spent time in your presence. I just don't have time. And God's trying to remind Joshua, he's like, listen, I don't care if the battle is imminent. I don't care if the army's charging at this moment. Take your, take your sandals off. And just have this moment of rest and intimacy. Commit yourself to me, Joshua. Commit yourself to me. Worship me. Rest in me. Spend time with me. Seek me. Enjoy me, Joshua. Not just seeking me for what you want. Seek me for me. My question for us this morning, church, is are you seeking God just for him? Or again, are we so focused on what we think we have to do that we're neglecting the relationship? We neglect the relationship, and God says that's the most important Because there is no conquest. There is no victory. There is no moving forward. 
There is nothing without the relationship. Churches, we're here this morning, and as we prepare to leave, I, I just want to add, just think about this as you go. Where is the relationship between you and God? Are you seeking his presence? Because he wants to show up. He is showing up. But unfortunately, we can miss it because we're so focused on everything but his presence. And when you get into his presence, are you ready for him to humble you? you, Is your heart ready to say, Lord, I I want to be in your presence because when I'm in your presence, you're going to show me and you're going to remind me that this is not my life. This is not my responsibility. This is not my mission. This is not my conquest. This is not my work, Lord. It's yours. This is your life. Humble me, Lord, and remind me of that. Sometimes I think we, we... try to stay out of his presence because we know we don't want to admit that. But Lord, there's victory there. There's victory when I yield to you. Lord, I just want to rest and be sanctified in your presence. I just want to strip off anything that gets in the way, Lord. When I get into your presence, I want to strip off anything that gets in the way of you. Because Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to be committed to you. Church, as we leave here, this is the last thing that God has, you know, he, he, he impressed it upon my heart and I'm holding on to it. If I want to live the victorious Christian life, it's not a matter of working harder because victory flows from his presence. Man, if you want to experience the fullness of the promise and the victory that is ours, if you want to experience the fullness of what Jesus has for you, it flows from his presence. We have to get into the presence of God and allow him to do the work that only he can do. I encourage you this week, if you have not, prioritize the presence of God. Slow down. Look for him. Seek for him. Ask him for it. Lord, let me be in your presence. Be patient. Don't get in a rush. Don't think it's a one-time thing. Every day, get into the presence of God. And allow him to humble you. And allow him to sanctify you. And allow him to show you the victory that is yours. Not because of you, but because of him. Gracious God, as we leave this place today, we just pray your blessing upon your church. Lord, I, I'm going to pray a prayer for myself, and if it pertains to anyone else, Lord, I know that there's arrogance in my heart to think I can be in control of this. I can be in control of my life. I can be in control of where I need to go and how it needs to work, Lord. I can be in control of how everything is handled and the outcomes of everything that, that is there. Lord, there have been so many times in my arrogance, Father, that I have stepped forward away from you and expected you to bless me with it. But Lord, I know that I'm in a season right now where you're reminding me the most important thing is the presence of you. Or the most important thing is the relationship. Lord, it's scary. I'm gonna, I'll just put it out. It is scary at times. Lord, because it makes, 
It makes us come face to face with our own weaknesses and our own shortcomings. Or it makes us have to acknowledge our own inabilities. It has to make us have these moments where we have to face our own pride. And again, that arrogance. But Lord, your presence is so wonderful and it's so sweet. When you show up and we're willing to recognize you for who you are and humble ourselves before you, Lord. Oh, there's victory in that. There's purpose in that. There's joy in that. There's peace in that. Lord, if any of us are struggling and we don't experience that fullness of the abundant life and the victory that is ours and the peace that you have given and and the joy that you say is ours in you, then let us see how much we're prioritizing your presence. Lord, are we seeking you? Are, are, are Are we pausing long enough to just rest in your presence? And allow you to minister to us and to mold us and shape us. Lord, if we're not prioritizing your presence, I pray that you give us that conviction to do so. Because that's how much you love us. The God of the universe wants us to be in your presence. But I pray that gives us joy this morning. That you want us to be in your presence. You want to give us victory. You want to lead us into the promise. You want to give us the fullness of all that. Lord, allow us not to leave this place without knowing that. You are wonderful and you are awesome and you are worthy of our praise. We love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.